This episode of They're Not Cousins includes the discussion of transphobia. Please feel free to skip this episode if that topic might be harmful to you or those around you. Also, we stand in solidarity with Asian American and Pacific Islander communities against racist violence and hate. Check out stopaapihate.org for more information on how you can help. Stay safe, and as always, thank you for listening. Last time on They're Not Cousins. From someone, because there's going to be a lot of episodes where, surprise, they're going to a concert of some I sort. I distinctly <laughs> remember there being some kind of like pageant where Umino dresses up as a girl, and um, yeah, that's going to be a weird episode. Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to They're Not Cousins, a 90s anime podcast by three ladies who love anime but are bad at watching it. I'm Josie. I'm Allie. And I'm Cassie. Science Officer Allie, Security Officer Cassie, red alert, we're under attack. Oh, no. Bring up the shields and arm the podcast torpedoes. Do I have to get in the robot? Yeah, I would get in the robot. We need every robot that we can get. Unit one, unit two, the blue one. um... (laughs) Voltron. (laughs) Voltron. We definitely need Voltron. Um... The one that the Power Rangers get together into one giant robot. We're basically talking about uh, Gurren Logan at that point, right? Uh, I have no idea. (laughs) Oh, no. The Transformers ones. Um... Bumblebee. (laughs) We're all Bumblebee now. Get Bumblebee, quick. Okay, so the reason we're panicking right now is because apparently the hosts over at Kawaii Disappointment have been listening to our podcast. How is it even possible? We only have four listeners. It's you, me, Cassie, and Mario, right? Right, Allie? No, I'm afraid to be the bearer of good bad news. A lot more people than we thought are listening to our show. What? what? Are you, are, you, are you telling me that anyone with a computer or phone can just listen to our podcast on our website, <sighs> they're not cousinscast.com or any audio streaming program like iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, or YouTube? Yes, that's exactly what's happening. Like, like I, I, the, the other day, I, I took a look at our Facebook page and we had over 100 people who actually are subscribed to the page. Like, Who the crap are these people? Why? And on Twitter? Oh my gosh, it's like we're blowing up. We're getting (laughs) followbacks by all sorts of other anime podcasts like Shonen Flop, Weeb Cafe, Otaku's Delight. There are other people who are actually listening. It's not just three people now. Are we sure that those last two are podcasts and not delicious like cafes that we need to go to? Because I want to eat there. We can totally eat there, but they are also real (laughs) podcasts. I've subscribed to them. I am a member of the Shonen Flop Discord server, and they are really cool people, too. Oh, God, Shonen Flop, watch out. We're coming to your place after the Rona is done to get pancakes. (laughs) (laughs) Allie, there's something I didn't consider going into this. If anyone can listen, what if our moms hear this? We do so many swears. My mom doesn't know anything about a podcast. She was just like, oh, you're doing a thing. That's nice, sweetie. I let my mother listen already, and she just turns to me and says, I don't know what you're talking about. I guess that's the best possible scenario. If we can just tell our moms that a podcast is when people, like, shuck bean pods on the internet can we tell them that that's what this is i think you're mistaken i think it is when we jettison our life pods off our spaceship into the sun oh 
Oh, that sounds amazing. Oh, wait, God. wait, 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 wait. I didn't sign up for jettisoning myself into the sun. <laughs> Allie, you love the sweet embrace of death. We've talked about this. I do, but I don't want to die by the sun. Jesus Christ. I, I, yeah, I'm just thinking about the sun, I guess. Cassie loves the sun. I do. I'm part plant. Yeah. You're, you're the only one of us, Cass. I photosynthesize. Can I make a Trigun reference, or is that spoilers, Cassie? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I love Trigun, so it's not spoilers for me. Okay, great. <laughs> it's spoilers for me, but I don't care. <laughs> All right, but we are not talking about Trigun here. We're talking about our podcast frenemies, who have apparently threatened to enroll Cassie in some kind of school of pain, and they've also threatened to straight up murder me, or maybe my Dungeons and Dragons characters. They weren't super clear on that, but I'd be upset either way. Yes, because you put a lot of work into all of your D&D stuff. That is not even the worst thing that they said they were going to do. They also said they were going to undo the Dewey Decimal System, Uh. which I think is a federal crime, or at the very least, it's something Carmen Sandiego would do. I just had to laugh because the Dewey Decimal System is for public librarians. I'm an academic librarian, (laughs) if you couldn't tell, and we use the Library of Congress system, so I have already foiled their master plan. Thank you, Allie. You are on top of it by not using the Dewey Decimal System. (laughs) Personally, I think there's only one way we can effectively deal with this kind of assault on our completely blameless pacifist podcast that would never in a million years threaten anyone with dinosaurs, lasers, or dino lasers. And that's a new podcast segment. Greetings, Negaverse flunkies, and welcome to Lady Monsters, a shade-throwing podcast within a podcast by three bad bitches who love being evil and look good doing it. I'm Queen Baraladriel. And I am the Golden Queen of the Shadow Galactica, Sailor Galaxy Alley. Oh, are we LARPing now? What? No. Yes, I guess. Oh, okay. Uh, I am Frau... <laughs> Hello, my fellow mistresses of mayhem. Finish eating your canapes and guzzle whatever is left of the rosé. We need to deal with this kawaii disappointment problem once and for all and set an example for all the other podcasts who are very kindly following us. (laughs) Yes, we must destroy them. Apparently they are some kind of Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. Uh, all I know is that they love someone named Evanescence, whom I propose we kidnap immediately. We are coming for you, Mr. Nessence. <laughs> that, that is the greatest of all things I have ever heard. Bravo. Thank you, Galaxa Alley. Now, I want us to spitball some evil plots, which we can use to destroy these weebs and their one normie friend once and for all. There are no bad ideas. Evil ideas, certainly, but no bad ones. Let's just put some stuff up and see what sticks. My plot is as follows. We start an evil fast food ice cream restaurant called Earmuffs, where we sell gallon-sized blended ice cream drinks for 100 yen, and then the entire population will eat them and get massive brain freeze. (gasps) So we also start a company called Evil Dairy Queen, which exclusively sells earmuffs, which everyone will buy to warm up their fragile human brains. Unbeknownst to them, those earmuffs will create a hypnotic tone that makes everyone go to Apple Podcasts and vote only for Four stars for Kawhi disappointment. That is the most evil thing I have heard in quite some time. It gives me life. 
truly evil, no one could think of a better plan than that. Except me. <gasps> well, spill it, bitch. <laughs> My evil plan is that we will take over a window factory and make evil windows. So every time I throw somebody through a window, we will collect their energy. I love that. That's fantastic. Can we call the store where we sell the windows Linux? <laughs> Certainly makes sense. <laughs> I hear your plan here, Frau, but I feel as if I could take this one step further. Oh, please, Galaxa Alley. You must tell us. You think your podcast is better than ours, kawaii disappointment? You think that your podcast can rule the entire galaxy? <laughs> PJ, Skylar, Casey, I have directed my Sailor Anima mates to steal all of your star seeds. And I mean that they are going to steal all of your seeds. So if you are eating a handful of nuts, those seeds will be gone. Strawberries, apples, watermelons, they have vanished. Chia seeds or flax seeds or whatever the hell you people in California eat. <laughs> Poof! Where did they go? You will have absolutely no energy to continue your little trade. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> well done, ladies. Well done. All right, Jadeite, fuck off and go do one of those plans. Make it happen. And I swear on Bitey Gerald's grave, which is my chair, that I will throw you in a vat of acid if you use one of your stupid pets again. And go pick up more profiteroles while you're at it. <laughs> That is it for our show. I have no idea if we'll do this again, but either way, buzz off. I'm Queen Baraladrio. And I am Sailor Galaxy Alley. Uh, I'm changing my name to Heavy Metal Cassion. An animate has appeared. <laughs> Your time is numbered, kawaii disappointment. We may not know what a cassette tape is, but we do know that we're, we're lady, lady monsters. monsters. <laughs> So this is how you make friends, right? By making up fake podcasts in which we plot their inevitable demise? That seems to be the way that they do it on Twitter. Awesome. Joking aside, PJ, Skylar, Casey, you guys are rad. And we want to hang out and watch old AMVs and share our profiteroles with you whenever Jadeite gets back with them, which will probably be never because, you know, Jadeite. Yeah, that bastard. Seriously, everyone, thank you for your follows and your friendship. And we will be talking to you soon on social media, I'm sure. Um, but for now, we should get into this episode of Sailor Moon, the show that we're here to talk about. Cassie, would you mind starting us off by reading the officially sanctioned plot synopsis for this episode? Yes, I will. This time on Sailor Moon, Usagi learns her lesson, becoming a star. Usagi and Naru both dream of becoming a famous star like Mikan Shiratori, a graduate from their school. When the girls hear that Mikan is hosting a talent contest, they see their chance to achieve stardom. Okay, that's a really, really short description. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, that's what they really wanted us to get out of this episode. <laughs> yeah, which does not track to me. Yep. No. <laughs> We'll get into it. We open with Usagi running straight toward the last remaining brick-and-mortar bookstore in Japan. <laughs> Hurry, Usagi, get there before Amazon introduces legislation to the Senate that makes physical bookstores illegal. They are the true evil villain of every anime and every plot line for every human on Earth. Yeah, I, I was going to say Amazon is much more effective at being evil than the Negaverse is. <laughs> Amazon has effectively managed to pull a lot of energy and money, more importantly. Mm. Like, money is really the way to go, Queen Beryl. Think about this. It's very true. Like, because if you have the money, then that means that you have the power. She just doesn't understand how things actually work on Earth. 
Are we sure that Amazon isn't actually the Negaverse? Because it's been confirmed. We do know that Bezos is no longer in charge, and therefore, I guess it could be Queen Beryl at the top of Amazon. I haven't looked. It could be. And we do know that he has a history of naming his son really weird things. Does he? When he had the baby with Grimes, it's an absolutely ridiculous name that nobody can actually pronounce. I think you're thinking of Elon Musk. Oh, damn it. Ignore me. Cut the cut, 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 cut. I don't know anything. Abandon ship. Abandon All ship. billionaires are the same fucking person in my mind. Jettison the life pods. Jettison the life pods. <laughs> we're going into no. the sun. <laughs> oh, no. The life pods were provided by Amazon. It's shoddy workmanship. Just remember that Scooty Puff Jr. sucks. But anyway, as it turns out, Usagi is not running toward a bookstore. She is just late for school again. And the cardio it's going to take to get there is just too much. And I feel like post-quarantine, we're all going to be doing this. You're going to be walking from your car door to the door at work, and it's going to be like climbing Everest. There will be people in line (laughs) that need oxygen tanks and Sherpas to get inside buildings. You'll be standing for like two seconds and then have to have a lie down. Exactly. I I don't know about everyone else, but I'm not getting any exercise right now. It's a problem. I have literally been walking around my house, kind of pacing as if I am mall walking, like an old person, Uh, but I'm not in a mall. The mall is my house. It's kind of like a sky mall situation where nobody really wants to be like shopping there, but that's the only thing you've got. I imagine you just like picking up a random cup out of the sink and being like, hmm, I wonder how much this cup costs. (laughs) Wandering around some more looking for the register. You just walk up to your husband with your credit card and you're just like, excuse me, sir, I would like to buy this sock. And he pretends to run the credit card through a thing. And, and then I'm like, okay, thank you so much. I feel like this is sort of like the opposite of the, ma'am, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> Oh, and now we know for sure that the word of the day for our podcast is LARPing. (laughs) (laughs) Usagi is completely out of breath, like I said, but she sees an ad for 5-Hour Energy, which says, you too can be a pastel goth ribbon dancer if you also drink this heart palpitation juice. In the deke dub, this becomes vitamins, which is fine. They're both basically a waste of money in my book. (laughs) Usagi wants in on this girl's extremely specific intersection of niche fashion and gymnastics. But before Red Bull can give her wings, we cut to a hustling Naru. She is also late, which is very unlike her. I'm guessing she lost track of time listening to quote-unquote jazz and planning the third (laughs) act of her NaNoWriMo writing project six months in advance, which is just cheating at that point, honestly. (laughs) It was her first time doing NaNoWriMo, so she was like, I need to do this right, not understanding that the whole purpose of trying to write a fucking novel in a month is that you're going to fail. The whole point is to just give up halfway through and then feel bad about it. Like, ugh, goddammit, Naro, stop showing us up. Not only is she showing us up, but she pulls a briefcase out from under the ring and goes for an overhead cross chop as she passes Usagi. Absolutely brutal. She did that on purpose. Yes. <laughs> that was exactly what I wrote down. Like, oh, Usagi deserved that we're not sure why but she deserved it (laughs) naru gave her like this side eye and just saw her chance (laughs) and whack right in the head with the briefcase naru needs to be careful you either have to put usagi in a coma which is what she wants or she's gonna throw her murder hat at your actual mom naru you gotta watch yourself (laughs) 
she pulls this move and then we are in the classroom before school. I do need to get ahead of this now. I'm going to have opinions when it comes to Umino in this episode. Those opinions might lead to discourse. (laughs) Um, He starts out in a not-so-great light because he bought a copy of the poster advertising the energy drink Usagi saw on the way to school. Given his history with candid gym photography and the fact that the girl on the poster is wearing a leotard, uh, I've got my demerit sound drop prepped and ready to go. Yeah, to be fair, there are some very strange posters that I have wanted that I saw while in Japan. And I will also admit to having purchased a poster of the voice actors of my favorite anime of the 90s that I don't know if we've mentioned before, Vice Kreutz. Oh, Vice. Yeah, because all of those voice actors are very friggin' hot. They sell a lot of that stuff in Japan. You know, kind of like how in America you would have tiger beat posters. <laughs> no, Ali, this anime that you're talking about, are you sure that's not a, like, shitty alcoholic drink? No, it was a <laughs> shitty uh, anime about four assassins who worked in a flower shop. That sounds kind of cool, actually. Is no. it any good? No. No, it's, it's not. not. <laughs> okay. Just, it's not. Sounds like something we should watch for the podcast. Oh, if only. I've only been able to find the 2001 reboot sort of thing, but the actual 90s anime just seems to have been lost to time, at least here in the States. I might have two VHS tapes of it, the Ooh. purple ones. Oh, you love a colored VHS tape. Are you kidding me? There was like a fan sub place that <laughs> was known for sending out their fan subs on purple tapes. That was how we watched Utana, stalking the mailman for mm-hmm. our purple VHS cassettes. <laughs> I love that little bit of context. That's so fun. It's good to know that there is additional cultural stuff going on here where posters are maybe a more common thing. I guess for me, I just saw a picture of a 17-year-old girl wearing a leotard and I'm like, oh, oh no. Yeah, Umino's a weirdo. (laughs) But that is not the focus here because in the scene, we get an amazing line in the English dub. I just ordered it over the internet. It's a series of tubes that connects people's computers. (laughs) Why didn't I watch the dub for that? Ah! Is this where the series of tubes meme comes from? Did Sailor Moon do that? No. I wish that they did. No, no. A politician said it. It was like Al Gore. No, it wasn't. I don't think it was Al Gore. It was somebody dumber than Al Gore. (laughs) Rate us five stars and let us know which politician originally said that the internet was a series of tubes. (laughs) He said something like, the internet is a series of tubes. And then if there's too much junk in it, the tubes get clogged. And that's what slows down the internet. That is the kind of signature American politician stupidity you can expect. (laughs) It was Ted Stevens, Republican of Alaska. I had to look it up. I'm a librarian. This is what I do. So still rate us five stars, though, because that's the only way that we actually get any kind of ranking to grow our show. So leave us a thing on wherever it is that you do stuff. <laughs> Allie, are you saying you want more people to listen to this podcast? I'm starting to question your motives here. Well, you told me that I was supposed to be the one promoting things on social media, so I'm doing my job. Yeah, but I didn't think we'd ever actually have anyone listening to this crap. That was your first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if people are listening, then we should continue talking about this episode of Sailor Moon and not talk about the internet being a series of tubes that get full of gunk. Uno is using these wonderful, horrible tubes of his to stalk the girl on the energy drink poster, whose name is Mikan Shiratori. I was bummed that it wasn't Rie Goto. The actress? It would have been cool to have her show up in anything other than just that five seconds of that one fucking episode. Get used to it, baby. 
I mean, there's a lot of idols in Japan. Oh, that's true. That's true. As a fan of a bunch of K-pop idol groups, I guess I shouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah, AKB48. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blackpink. <laughs> so anyway, it's not Rie Goto. The actress! But Umino finds out that Mikan Shiratori went to their middle school, and also she's 17. And also he reads off her monthly income. Umino, my guy, stop. (laughs) Just stop. You're being a creep. Somebody pat him down for an evil cloud card. Unfortunately, I think that's the sort of thing that the Japanese media is constantly talking about. Cass could, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah, for the idols or stars, generally a lot of their information is public because they have a highly cultivated image. So most of them don't date because... They don't want to ruin their image. Their image is managed by their agency. So a lot of public information, we'll put quotes around it, is put out there as part of the, the maintaining the image of the oh, idol. Wow. That's really interesting. I'm surprised they didn't list her blood type. That's yeah. like one of the... <laughs> God, that's so fucking creepy. <laughs> no, everyone in Japan knows their blood type. And you know how we maybe use like horoscope or be like, oh, you're such a Sagittarius. They'll do the same thing with oh, blood type. Whoa. <laughs> Oh my god, as a fighting game fan, that explains so much. Every fighting game lists every character's blood type, and I've always Mm -hmm. wondered why, and that's why. Oh, that's fascinating. In Japan, people would ask me what my blood type was, and I would just look at them and say, like, why would I know that? (laughs) I tried to figure out my blood type. I donated blood like six times, and they were like, oh yeah, we'll send you a thing that has your blood type on it, and they never did. Those liars. They don't want you to be an idol in Japan, is really what Uh it is. Friggin' HIPAA. Frickin' Red Cross, get at me. I'm gonna be an idol. I'm gonna spite the American Red Cross. (laughs) Definitely setting myself as a villain here. (laughs) I will destroy the Red Cross with my unknown blood type. Uh, I'm such an (laughs) O-positive. Anyway... Over in the Deke version of Sailor Moon, Melvin is a member of this girl's fan club, which is where he gets the poster and the info about how much she gets paid. (laughs) Also, her name in this version is Saffron, which I like. I think that's cute because she's always wearing orange. So that's fun. That correlates to the Japanese Mikan because Mikan is an orange. This is why I'm glad we're doing this podcast because I get to learn little factoids. Did we ever find out if there are lizards on the moon, Ellie? Did Neil deGrasse Tyson ever get back to us? He didn't. Oh, well. He's a busy man. (laughs) I guess that's fair. Yeah, no shade for Neil deGrasse Tyson. We'll throw shade at literally everyone else, but not Neil deGrasse Tyson because he is a cool dude. Everyone in this scene, in Sailor Moon, because I'm really desperately trying to make a podcast here... (laughs) Everybody takes a moment to conveniently ignore this massive transgression of a teenage girl's privacy, or not, if you're in Japan, that's also fine. And they talk about how lucky she is for making so much money. They all want to be discovered so they can also be in commercials, presumably because they want to meet those Geico cavemen. <laughs> I get it, ladies. I've seen Encino Man. You want to get slushies with Brendan Fraser? We all do. Speak for yourself. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't know you had a Brendan Fraser fantasy. <laughs> I'm just saying he seems cool to hang out with. That's all. (laughs) Back rubs are optional, Brendan. Call me. (laughs) Umino reasserts his crush on Usagi by saying that she'll be the next rising star in the Juban district. Everyone clearly disagrees, including me, except for Usagi. And at this point, we don't know what thing she thinks she's going to be good enough at to become a mascot for Monster Energy Drink. Maybe Ultimate Frisbee on account of all the tiara throwing? What do you guys think? Naps. Naps. Competitive napping. Yeah, at this point in the series, the only thing that she's actually good at is sleeping and eating stuff. And murder. Well, yeah, but, like, 
People don't know that. Well, they could. <laughs> the Murder Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's going to join the Assassin's Guild and then she'll get all sorts of accolades from assassins. Oh my god. Her part-time job is going to be at Kitten in the House Flower Shop with the Vice Kreutz Boys. Oh no. I'm going to back to Vice. So regardless of Usagi's talent for murder, or lack thereof, we cut to an ad agency where Mikan Shiratori is signing autographs for a bunch of kids. What? That's like crowding around Wilfred Brimley and begging him to sign your insulin prescription. (laughs) The late Mr. Brimley might have made better fashion choices, though, because Mikan is sporting a lime green romper, I think, with an orange shrug and a red Kiki's delivery service bow on her head. I think she might be colorblind. We can't blame this on Usagi's transformation pen, but something has clearly gone wrong here. Yeah. But at the same time, I would still wear it. Yeah. I have absolutely no shame. And if, like, you hand me something that looks like a costume, I will put it on my body. So if I had a talent manager who was saying, Allie, you need to be wearing this, I would be like, sure. We do fully need to invest in having a P.O. box so that our fans can send you things that you have to wear because that's what you just said on our podcast. Allie and I like to cosplay brunch, so. We do. We like to yacht cosplay. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. When you said you like to cosplay brunch, I was just imagining you like dressed as a pancake or dressed as a BLT. (laughs) That'd be fine, too. Yeah, again, if you hand me something, I will wear it. <laughs> I would love to roll up to an anime convention and be like, is this Food Wars? Is that what's? Is that what people are doing? <laughs> I am a spicy pork bowl. <laughs> That's Yuri on Ice. Oh, no, I'm crossing so many streams. <laughs> oh, perfect. That is the crossover I didn't know I needed until just now. <laughs> Food Wars and Yuri on Ice. <laughs> yes. I want to be a sexy ice skating pork bowl. Hell exactly. Yeah. I think that this has potential, uh, honestly. It very much has Disney on Ice vibes where you just have like a massive foam costume skating around singing about, I don't know, what kind of shit would a pork bowl sing about? I guess being gay, right? Yeah. (laughs) Please eat my luscious egg. Uh, yes. I'm super, super here for it. I'm also here for the new show that Mikan is in, apparently called Rock, Paper, scissors! (laughs) Does this mean we're now seeing competitive rock, paper, scissors break into the professional sports scene in Japan? Maybe. I'm just excited (laughs) because I feel like professional rock, paper, scissors is a sport that I could be involved in without internet assholes screaming about my bone structure. I'm mad enough about my skeleton for all of us, but thanks, sweaty! (laughs) One of the people we know from high school went to the international rock, paper, scissors competition. What? Sean? Uh, Let's bleep his name. Yeah, I'll find something to bleep it with. (laughs) I I did not know that or remember it. He won the, like, U.S. competition and then went to China to participate in the international competition. Wow. The only thing I remember about him was freaking him out that time in typing class when I was hacking the printer to print things. (laughs) He's bald now and has, like, a really long scraggly beard. Ooh. Oh, yeah. He's now a rock, paper, scissors master. You go to him on top of a mountain to <laughs> learn the techniques. There has to be a rock, paper, scissors anime, right? Is that just Kagakuri? I should ask Kawaii Disappointment. They've watched that show. Yeah, Kakegurui? <laughs> I've been pronouncing it wrong every time. That's yeah. great. Kakegurui. Yeah, no, if you can get through the sexualization of food wars, then you will be in for a treat with this murder high school where everybody gambles. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually couldn't get through all the food porn in food wars, so I will probably avoid that, but I appreciate the recommendation. All right. <laughs> yeah, when I tried to watch Food Wars, I just 
Mm-mm. No, thank yeah, you. Yeah, because basically what happens in Kakegurui is the main character, who is the good gambler, every time that she is going to start gambling, you can tell that it is getting her hot. <laughs> Which, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just a fucking mm. prude. Yeah. No, totally fine. <laughs> Uh, I did just spend our last podcast episode lusting after a Batwoman, so. <laughs> Bit of a hypocrite here. But you know who isn't a hypocrite? Probably. It's Jadeite. <laughs> yeah, remember him? <laughs> yeah. He is creeping at the edges of this group of girls in a gray trench coat suit thing, and he gives us another evil sentence fragment. I can use this energy. But can you use it to stop being such a fucking creep? No. No, he can't. <laughs> no, he absolutely can't. Uh, I wish he could, and then he could use some of that energy for Umino, too. He's got his creeper glasses on and everything. Shing! He did, but we didn't get a shing. I'm so mad. Yeah, there was no swing. It was very disappointing. No evil jazz music, no sunglasses shing. Like, this show is just really slipping. Where's the continuity? Yeah, right? I have feelings about that, which we will get to at the end. Oh, I'm excited for that. Oh my god. <laughs> I thought I was just being a petty bitch. I'm so glad. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Spoiler alert. There is not nearly enough Kunihiko Iguhara to make this episode work for me. Yeah. (laughs) We have to get back into it because this episode is moving at a super, super brisk pace here. Like, holy moly. We jump right to the Tsukino household, specifically Usagi's room, where she and Naru and a bright red stereo slash CD slash tape player are hanging out. Naru wants them to sing together, presumably because she wants to go back to 33 and start her career on the jazz club circuit. (laughs) Usagi is like, yes, totally, I know what singing is, and so she retrieves a tennis racket from her closet. I also have no idea what sports or singing are, and so this made total sense to me. That whole thing just reminded me of when I was a Girl Scout growing up, and we did a merit badge for dance, and I did not know how to dance, and still don't, because I don't understand how, you know, how the human body works. Ugh, mood. So as soon as she grabbed that tennis racket, I was like, yeah, that totally tracks, Usagi, I'm with you. (laughs) Sadly, Naru is not into that idea. She wants them to become stars. I know very little about the sailor stars, except that much like this episode, there's absolutely no gender-related weirdness happening with them at all. Right, Allie? Not at all. I mean... (laughs) Oh, no, it's a lie. There's a lot of gender-related weirdness with them in the original manga, and I think the way that Crystal is doing it too, is that the sailor starlights are all women, and when they got to Earth they disguised themselves as an idol group. They looked like they were men, but they were still women. And then they transform and they are really hot women (laughs) in their little skimpy leather things. But in the American adaptation, they changed them to be men that ended up transforming into women when they went into their Sailor Senshi forms. In the Japanese anime as well, they are women, but then they've transformed themselves into men so they have a better chance of finding their princess so they can pose as like a male idol group. It sounds like they're basically gender fluid and that's rad for a 90s show. I'm here for it. So cool! Back to the scene at hand. In the Viz dub, as the girls are ramping up to sing, Luna does some very generic, like, moon cat complaining via internal monologue. I only mention it because Deke Luna just says in a worried tone, Please tell me she's not going to sing! It's fucking brutal and I love it. (laughs) Oh, Luna. Yeah, she knows. 
Yeah, catty bitch. <laughs> now, this next part is amazing. The girls fire up that tape deck and start playing a karaoke version of Moonlight Densets, the theme song for Sailor Moon, which raises so many questions about the show's canon. I kind of was wondering, what if that's the Yusuke Amada CD that has Sailor Moon on it? And Yusuke's the one who made the opening for Sailor Moon. Yeah, I thought that too. It would be a huge wow. departure for Yusuke because the song has a lot more than piano in it. <laughs> yeah, but we've already established that he doesn't actually understand what jazz is. Mm. He's like, I tried to make a disco song and this is what came out and it's Moonlight Densets. <laughs> <laughs> Usagi and Naru start belting out the words, which in the English version, as far as I can tell, they're the actual lyrics to the song, but like put through six different translators. <laughs> and Usagi's voice actress, whose name is Stephanie Shea, it's shameful that it took me seven fucking episodes of this podcast to actually give her credit. Being a Terry Hawk stan is no excuse. Thank you. <laughs> Stephanie does an amazing job of making Usagi sound just awesome awful at singing <laughs> and you can tell she's having a lot of fun with it especially with the little flourish at the end shingo wants nothing to do with this uh he <laughs> he asserts himself as the simon cowell of the show and asks the girls <laughs> to kindly shut up which does absolutely nothing to phase them whatsoever they're dancing around they're hitting each other stepping on each other's feet and being all around bad at singing and dancing as you do when you're a kid and this was a weirdly heartwarming scene for me it was just very sweet yeah and it reminded me of all those times that i would basically do the same thing with my cousin when she would be spending the night because we would constantly be singing over each other and pretending that we were members of ace of bass <laughs> and singing into our hairbrushes <laughs> Allie, that's yeah. a dream Space. that's yep, a yep. fucking dream <laughs> I'm going to yeet myself into the sun in the hopes that I'll be reborn as someone who can have that experience because that's everything I've ever wanted in life. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. She was always the blonde one because I was the brunette. So we would take different parts of the song. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That was my childhood right there in a nutshell. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is Allie just collecting blonde friends, Cassie? Are we part of a yes. blonde menagerie? <laughs> yes. You don't know this, but there's a whole another group of blonde girls that are... Just in cages mm. in Allie's basement. That's why I have never let you down there yet. She takes them out as needed. <laughs> wow, that's very validating. Um, but also... <laughs> she lets them out when she needs a shopping partner in oh, her home I mean, sky mall. <laughs> I'm kind of okay with that. Like, tell me which one I need now. I'm going on a date. <laughs> uh, I love the sock that you have on your right hand. That looks... That's that really compliments your eyes, Ali. Uh, do I? Oh, thank can I, you. Can I have some water, Ali? <laughs> well, you have to get me the other sock first. <laughs> okay, I'll get the other sock. <laughs> <laughs> and we're larping again. <laughs> I guess that that's the episode title. Episode <laughs> seven. And we're larping again. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of LARPing, <laughs> Usagi and Naru inevitably have a VH1 behind the music falling out over all the punching and kicking that they're doing of each other, and they declare each other their bitter rivals. Then you can consider us rivals because I'm going to be your biggest competition. I am furious that this happened the episode after we declared our podcast rivalry with Kawaii Disappointment. This would have been the perfect sound drop. I'm so mad. <laughs> Just retcon it. Yeah. <laughs> Ignore episode six. It didn't happen. That episode does not exist. Oh, I spent so long editing that one. Oh, no. <laughs> 
I'm guessing this next scene down in the Tsukino family living room is later in the same day or something. Otherwise, Usagi and her family are all downstairs watching TV while Naru hangs out in Usagi's room, <laughs> trying to figure out which starter Pokemon will be super effective against Usagi's Luna when they inevitably go head to head. Do we lean too hard on Pokemon in this ostensibly Sailor Moon themed podcast? We should probably check with PJ, Skylar, and Casey and see how constantly referencing Seto Kaiba and Friends works for them ratings wise. Because <laughs> so far, constantly referencing Pokemon hasn't hurt us one bit. <laughs> Speaking of ratings in general, Usagi's family is watching TV while she contemplates how to get her doomed entertainment career off the ground. Don't ask us. <laughs> I guess talk about Pokemon a lot. Why was she sitting directly in front of the TV? facing away from the TV. Yeah, that's very much an alien, not knowing how humans work thing. <laughs> and to be fair, she is from space. She's like, look, guys, yeah. I'm from the moon. Like, she doesn't know. <laughs> that's why she didn't know how to be a star. And she thought a tennis racket was involved because she's an alien. Every time her family has been watching TV, she's just facing away from it. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine she's like, I've heard of something called podcasts. And I know that podcasts are only listening. So I don't need to look at this television because it's just a podcast, right? <laughs> and I mean, she's not wrong. I'm looking at you, like, I don't know, community, I guess. Just put that on the background, play some Pokemon. I don't give a shit about you. I'm catching some pokes. Speaking of which, on this TV show that the family is watching, a primate and a yukata is bowing on command. And Usagi's dad remarks that Luna should do tricks like that, too. What the hell is this show that they're watching? <laughs> I'm assuming it's some sort of B-list celebrity variety show, which is very common in Japan. They'll have all these B-list celebrities that are basically only famous for being on these variety shows. I have never laughed harder in my life than watching these shows. It's like where people get all those clips. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you remember the one where the, the girl, it was like, so you were supposed to write 10, 100, and 1,000 in English. And so the girl wrote 10, teen, and then teen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's literally me in math class in high school. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. And basically, they don't come on these shows seriously. They come on to just be like as ridiculous as possible. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. I have nothing but respect <laughs> for these shows. They sound so good. There is some hilarious stuff. Like the one where you see the guy biting the, oh, the doorknob. doorknob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's from a Japanese variety show. I love that show concept. This thing might be made out of chocolate. The only thing you can do is bite it to find out. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> but that's not like a continued segment. That was one time. Oh, what? Yeah. So like every time, who knows what's going to happen? I don't know if they're just funny to me, but I find them very funny. I mean, these shows are, if nothing else, good enough to inspire Usagi, who <laughs> runs off saying that her family had better be prepared for the paparazzi. I'm not convinced that Usagi knows what paparazzi are. For all we know, she might think that's a fun way to say she ordered a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> Back in Usagi's room, we see her trying to teach Luna, her sapient talking cat, to do pet tricks. I'm mad on Luna's behalf. Trying to teach her these tricks shows so much disrespect for the cat's intelligence, mm -hmm. and also because this is a waste of the amazing things you could do with a cat who is also an animal. <laughs> Usagi could take a page out of Jim Davis's book by feeding Luna lasagna while she bitches about mondays <laughs> she could be a gazillionaire kids everywhere would have garfluna banks stuffed animals <laughs> poorly executed online pizza joints the possibilities are endless they would shamefully walk down to their local public library and check out all of the comic books and be like oh this is my favorite comic because i don't know any better i haven't found calvin and Hobbes yet and i think this is funny <laughs> 
calling myself out. <laughs> no, that's everyone, Allie. Oh. And if the listeners out there all... I still assume we only have four listeners. There's just no way. I can't even conceptualize the idea of a hundred people listening. That's too many. You, all of you, have read Garfield comics as a kid and thought they were great. And they were not. And that's okay. I think that's something we can all relate to. Yeah. We are all refugees of Garfield. And that's <laughs> that's the name of my anime series. <laughs> This is the point where the episode starts careening down a hill with thorn bushes all the way down, basically. <laughs> Umino goes to Naru's house. Naru puts Umino in an ugly coral pink suit with a matching skirt and red lipstick. No, Naru, he doesn't look good in salmon. Don't try to wriggle your way out of this fashion crime. <laughs> yeah, she definitely could have picked a better outfit. Abso-fucking-lutely. There's a lot that can be said about this outfit and none of it is good. <laughs> Real talk, I remember this episode from when I was a kid, and I put off watching most of this episode until last night, because I just didn't want to watch it again. Mm -mm. This scene is not the worst, most transphobic thing in anime, not by a long shot, but this part hurts to watch for me. Mm. Naru tells Umino that Usagi will be interested in him if he practices being more social, and his response is to go from his normal posture and voice to adapting what I'll call exaggerated feminine gestures and a weird voice. Naru describes her plan as beauty and the beast, implying that Umino and drag is a monster. And for the record, the deep dub toned this down a little bit. Umino is just happy to be a star and he doesn't put on a weird voice. Yeah, and this was another moment that I was glad for the deke dub, because watching it in Japanese, I was like, oh, 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 sweetie, no. Yeah, I'm sorry for a tirade. I promise I'm going to keep this as short as I can, and I will edit it down. But growing up, I saw Usagi and her friends and felt a connection to them, and that helped me to understand a little bit of who I was at the time. I talk about it in episode two of our podcast, I think. But then we get a depiction of gender non-conforming behavior like this, which is tiny and small and benign, but when you see lots of those over the course of your life, they add up to the little voice in your head that says, you know, boys who act and dress like girls are freaks, basically. And this is really all it takes to plant that seed, this lifelong seed of self-doubt and self-hatred. Like I said, this episode of Sailor Moon is not the worst assault against trans people ever. It's just another little jab on top of a huge mountain of bigger jabs, but it hurts coming from a show that I hold close to my heart. Yeah, there, yes. I mean, there's really nothing that I can say to that because, you know, it was not good. No, and unfortunately, Japan, especially in like anime and manga, has a very anti-trans or drag attitude a lot of the times. It's usually portrayed as something like weird and foolish or strange, which is obviously not good. But it's also kind of interesting because in a lot of their traditional live performances, such as like kabuki, the women are played by men and it's actually considered very high art. And the people who are playing the women characters and stuff like that are applauded for their skill. So it's kind of a very strange thing where in one sense it's accepted, but then in more mainstream modern media, it's looked down on and made fun of. When I was watching this, I was also thinking about the Takarazuka. Yes. And if you are not familiar with the Takarazuka, they are an all-female musical theater troupe. They have a bunch of different groups and they are amazing. They basically have some of the performers who are basically raised to play the male parts and they are hugely successful among, you know, middle-aged women. <laughs> <laughs> who buy all their photo books and stuff like that. I would actually be really interested to know for anyone who might have a deeper cultural understanding of why this discrepancy happened, where sometimes 
like drag is okay but if you gender non-conform in real life it's a problem or it's like a joke or you're a weirdo Mm -hmm. i mean we obviously have that here in the united states all i can really say is that in the media it's absolutely a pattern and that pattern also carries through into the anime fandom community the typical response to someone saying hey this kind of sucks for trans people people say oh the character in question isn't trans which i'm sure is absolutely true but also none of the characters on sailor moon are trans at least as far as i know so this is what people assume trans women are based on this show Mm -hmm. every other tv show book movie where the character doing non-cis normative stuff is a weirdo or a monster or both. It's a problem of representation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to wrap this up real quick, but I want to take a moment to say that it's an absolute travesty that we don't have a magical girl show like Sailor Moon about trans girls who use their powers to come to terms with who they really are. Like, it's perfect for that. And I wanted to say to our four slash a hundred (laughs) listeners, if any of you are involved in animation or TV production or whatever, and you want to collaborate on making that a thing, send an email to us at they're not cousinscast at gmail.com. I can write a pitch. We'll send it to Netflix. Yeah, like let's start a Kickstarter. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We need positive trans representation, not just for trans women, but especially for trans men, non-binary people, massively underrepresented across every media platform. And that goes double for trans and non-binary people of color. Now, let's keep going with this comedy podcast. <laughs> we cut to Mikan's apartment, where she's taking a shower. We see a bunch of presents laid out for her, including a weirdly menacing bouquet of flowers. A shadow passes over the roses, and there's a sort of clicking sound effect, at which point we get a POV shot panning toward Mikan's silhouette, which is visible in the shower curtain. This is just Psycho. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Episode 7 of Sailor Moon is just Psycho, guys. <laughs> yep. Yep. I was like, ooh, got a little bit of Hitchcock up in here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nothing good ever happens when you see the silhouette of a lady through a shower curtain. Mm-hmm. Nope. You want to get murdered. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I wear clothes inside the shower. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were a never nude. <laughs> oh, it's true. There are dozens of us. <laughs> so. Yeah, it is Psycho, and we're about to get a shower murder scene. I have to give Ikuhara credit if he's the one who directed this episode, because that is bold for a kid's show. He did not. Oh, okay. (laughs) It wasn't weird enough, couldn't you tell? Yep. (laughs) That explains the complete lack of directorial choice, except for ripping off a movie. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, I'm expecting it to be a problematic serial killer, but no, instead we get a lady monster made of fresh mint toothpaste in a really nice evening gown playing the part of the murderer. I don't get this monster. She's got a lot going on. I like her hair. It's kind of like a really, really long mohawk. That's pretty cool. (laughs) I felt like someone took one of those clip-on ponytails and just slapped it on the back of her head. Maybe that's the, like, strip of white in the toothpaste. (laughs) I don't know. Was I the only one that saw toothpaste? Because that's how I refer to her for the rest of my notes. No, she totally looked like toothpaste. I just didn't understand why she existed. I don't understand her character design. I don't either, really. (laughs) I'm not enthusiastic. This is not a Batgirl situation. But she wraps Mikan up with green goo and then touches her finger, which allows her to transform into a perfect likeness of Mikan. I'll say that this seems like a good evil plan now, but I pity this monster when she starts to commentate on some of the more advanced rock, paper, scissors maneuvers. I'm talking like throwing a Spock at the buzzer or mixing (laughs) it up with a hang loose into a shadow puppet dog. This is a competitive sport. If she didn't study that rulebook cover to cover, she's going to be exposed and hat murdered so fast. Luckily, she has that website that Umino was looking at that she can study. (laughs) 
Oh, you think she's part of the fan club? <laughs> yeah, she's in the fan club. <laughs> she's very concerned with her image. <laughs> it's not she's doing it for research. She's just part of the fan club because she really just likes following a lot of influencers and, you know, allowing them to guide her to make smart choices in her life. <laughs> Did an no. influencer tell her to put that dress on? Yeah, she got that dress on Insta. It just it gave her the link and boom. She has absolutely no self-control when it comes to buying things that other people have recommended her. She got that clip on ponytail from Instagram too. <laughs> I'm going to buy so many of those. (laughs) Just have a million ponytails. It's a look, guys. (laughs) Is this a Yu-Gi-Oh reference? (laughs) It's going to say, move over, twin tails. Every last twin tail in the whole world will be ours. We need to talk about the show Cinderella Caravan. It's a name. It's a name. That's what we have to work with for the stupid Jadeite Evil name company for this episode. (laughs) It made me think of the Sailor Moon Super S movie. Maybe the one where they steal everyone on their magic candy boat. That's the image that Cinderella Caravan brought into my mind was everyone getting on, I don't know, a Cinderella themed train (laughs) and being brought into the world of candy. Is this Candyland the movie? Kind of, but with more, um, you know, murder. Murder of children. Attempted murder of children. (laughs) That is the one thing that Candyland needed was a gritty reboot. (laughs) (laughs) 2021 is only beginning. (laughs) You know, Lord Licorice has always been very sinister. Oh, it's true. It's so true. Behind Queen Frostine's frosty smile is her murderous intent. Uh, Yeah, it's some murderous fucking eyeshadow she's got going on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, the, um, what's he called? The peppermint stick lumberjack or whatever? (laughs) Oh, yes, yes. He is definitely played by Chris Pratt, and he's a total himbo. Yeah. In reality, it's just the toothpaste clone on a random stage in the middle of a street hypnotizing a bunch of preteens to be like her. Okay, all of you go sign up for the Cinderella caravan. Okay. I want to be like Cinderella. I want to be like her. So at school, everyone is talking about this thing that just happened. I guess Cinderella Caravan is actually a talent search. Usagi is out of the loop on this, and Naru is doing a great job needling her about how dumb she is and how Luna would be a lot stronger if Usagi just evolved her using a cheese stone. (laughs) Umino does the exaggerated voice and gestures that make Josie sad, which is played off as a gag, and then we're back at Cinderella Caravan again. I really liked this little scene. Actually, because Mikan's agent and a police officer run up to try to stop the cavity fighting creation, but they just fall under the same hypnotic spell. Yeah, I thought that was really sweet. (laughs) Yeah, the cop does a little handstand and the agent spots him. And I think they're going to go all the way to the semi-quarterfinals, guys, or at least the quarter semifinals. They're going somewhere. Yeah, they have a lot of chemistry. I think so. (laughs) I think Mikan is just happily clapping for them and it's so cute. He's like, yay, dance my minions dance. We cut to Usagi, and what the fuck is this outfit? She's walking down the street (laughs) in like a pastel green overdress and a pink stripey sweater under it. I love the continued color scheme of pink and green for Usagi because those are my favorite colors, and I love it when my choices are validated by cartoon characters. But the cut on all of those individual pieces is just so bad. I would still wear it. Do you think she had that in her closet, or she asked the transformation pen to make her look like a star, a child star? That poor transformation pen. It just looks so sad. It's like, are you you sure, Serena? Are you sure? Oh, fuck. Uh, Usagi, are you you sure? <laughs> Make me look like Punky Brewster. <laughs> oh, she does look like Punky Brewster. Oh my god. Not enough scrunchies. Never enough scrunchies. Mm. Oh my freaking god. <laughs> Speaking of scrunchies, back at the Deke dub, we... <laughs> 
we get the line from Serena. This contest is going to be major boss, Luna. Which briefly oh, yeah. transported my consciousness out of my body. <laughs> that was so amazing. I just, where did they get those words from? I have distinct memories of wearing Jinkos and saying things were totally boss. So like. Maybe it just didn't creep down into our tiny, strange corner of our high school. There was a lot of wicked Yes. Uh, threatening to eat babies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Lol, random. Yeah, ooh, ooh. No, ooh, isn't a thing yet. No, ooh, no, ooh. <laughs> Speaking of ooh, I guess, Luna doesn't want to be seen with Usagi while she's wearing this and talking this way, which I get. Um, yeah, really couldn't blame no, her. No, not at all. Yeah. She tells Usagi that this becoming famous thing is dumb, and she's right, but also how dare you call our podcast out like that? I hate when my choices are invalidated by cartoon characters. <laughs> Damn it, Luna, just pretend you're sorry. We need to exploit you. <laughs> Cartoon characters giveth and taketh away. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Usagi is just as upset at this turn of events as I am. And so she runs away crying straight into fucking Darien. But I love how Usagi immediately ran into an alleyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, fuck. <laughs> Good instinct, Usagi. Good instinct. <laughs> Fortunately, this encounter is so brief. He's like, hi, idiot. You got a type five for that talent show? And she basically says stand-up comedy is trash which I think is 85 to 90% true. <laughs> it is the only place outside of Fox News where you can get paid to blame minorities for all the consequences of your personal failings. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Josie laying down some truth. Yeah. <laughs> what can I say? I'm fired up. I thought this interaction was actually like surprisingly non-combative from Mamo-chan's point of view. He's just like, hey, are you going to the talent show? Yeah. And she's like, shut up! <laughs> I fucking hate you. <laughs> yeah, I had written down that I felt like this was like an attempt at humanizing him <laughs> because he wasn't as awful as he had been. But at the same time, like, Mamo-chan, really? <laughs> they really need a saves the cat moment for him. I, I get that he saves Sailor Moon, but he needs to save Luna is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know how the author was making a Twilight from the vampire guy's point of view? Oh, yeah. I feel like if there was a Sailor Moon from Mamo-chan's point of view, it would be like, I'm Chiba Mamoru, 28-year-old master's degree student. <laughs> and then the episodes would be like him walking down the street, drinking a coffee, spying Usagi, being like, hey, there's a 12-year-old to harass. <laughs> and then after every interaction, it'd be like, yeah, that went pretty well, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I fucking love that. I would read that. Oh my god. <laughs> I showed her. <laughs> so, after the break, the commercial break, <laughs> we don't have a commercial break in this show yet. Um, I doubt that will ever happen, but you know, who knows? <laughs> we go to the talent show where some of the contestants are engaging in, what is this, a skit? An extended almost pun? I needed some bread and the grocer said it was under there. Oh yeah? And a moment later, they gave me these. And why's that? When they said under there, I said underwear! Would you like to know the actual joke with the underwear? Please tell me. Yeah. <laughs> so the first girl says she went to buy two loaves or pieces of bread. And bread is pan in <laughs> Japanese. Okay. And so she goes, I went to buy two pieces of bread, and the guy gave me some underwear, which is pantsu. Oh. And then the other girl says, why? And then the first girl says, because two pieces of bread is pan, like bread, and two, like, so yeah. they're saying the number two, mm -hmm. like pantsu. So then they, pantsu's underwear. 
Thank you for making that have a little bit more context. I appreciate you giving us some feedback on this, Cassie. I figured you would since bread was involved. (laughs) Yeah. How would you feel if you went to the store for some pillowy cloud bread and then they gave you underwear? Like, that's an improvement, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, those underwear were cute. They were little strawberry underwears. Yeah, they were. (laughs) The crappy bread, you know, I guess you could, like, dig some holes in it and kind of stick your legs through. But I don't know. I don't think it's going to serve the same function. (laughs) Anyway, our twice-a-day dentist-recommended lady monster clearly has no fucking idea what she's doing because she goes ham on some tubular bells and then tells the uh, grocery store perverts (laughs) that they're moving on to the next round. Yikes on bikes. I'd hate to see the other acts. Oh. This is the miracle of romance. Umino and Naru make me sad. Again, moving on. I like Lady Monster Mikan's poofy pumpkin dress. Yes. It has lots of petticoats and puff sleeves. 10 out of 10 would paint triangle eyes and a mouth on it and wear to a Halloween party. 10 out of 10 would just wear it to work. (laughs) Ali has a very specific (laughs) uniform policy at her job. (laughs) At this point, they're like, oh, we need to take a picture of somebody doing something weird. Ali, are you on it? Yes. You bet I am. <laughs> They're like, Allie, can you climb up into the arms of that sculpture and pretend that you are dead? And you're like, yeah, okay. Of course I will. Yeah. Can you hold a bunch of books on your head and juggle? I'll do my best. Please don't fire me. <laughs> <laughs> can you put 16 petticoats under this pumpkin dress? You betcha. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that your job doesn't involve a lot of running. That seems like it would be inconvenient. <laughs> She has to chase down those book thieves. That's true. Kawhi disappointment. They're not book thieves. That's... <laughs> I really should have said uh, Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> She's going to steal the Magna Carta. We have to keep talking about the episode and I can't think of a segue. So, uh... <laughs> Yeah, just cut that whole thing out. It's fine. <laughs> oh, you know what library probably still has books in it? Usagi's library at school. We're at school at Usagi's school. Is that a connection? <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> the desks are all stacked against the door to get into Usagi's classroom because the other students have improvised a mini theater set up inside. It looks like they're all practicing their talent show acts during school hours. Oh, God, I hope they're open to notes. <laughs> Including Naru, who's preemptively setting up for an autograph signing. I'll take one, Naru. Just make it out to, I'm sorry, Josie, I promise you won't need to put a content warning at the start of your comedy podcast again for at least ten more episodes. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. There's some interesting Deke semi-censorship here. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Melvin gets smacked in the face with a streamer, like completely harmless, just, you know, bonk in the face with a streamer, go to horny jail, whatever. <laughs> but in the Deke dub, they cut the scene just before the streamer hits him. Like, really? <laughs> Yeah, why? It's too violent. <laughs> yeah, Usagi's out there disintegrating any lady she feels like with pilaf power, but a streamer <laughs> bonk was too much violence. I did notice that the streamer that hit him in the face was the same color he gave Usagi, so... Oh, that's a good catch. So it was Usagi oh. throwing it at Umino? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. That makes sense. <laughs> we can't have our heroine be mean. <laughs> I love that. That's I like Usagi 10 million times more now. <laughs> Okay, everybody, throw your streamers. Bonk. (laughs) (laughs) After this, Naru and Umino do the number that hurts my heart again on a stage outside the school. And Luna's like, you know this is a negaverse thing, right? Your classmates are awful, even by talent show standards. (laughs) And if Usagi is noticing that something's wrong, something must really be wrong. Exactly. There's no way that she would have known otherwise. She's so dense. (laughs) It's true. Usagi is so dense. And that's why Luna tells her, hey, can you feed me just one slice of pizza and get Bill Murray's agent on the line? Think about the merch opportunities, (laughs) bitch. Get your act together. Meanwhile, all the kids in school are starting fights over whose awful show it's really going to be at the regional semi-triple quarterfinals. (laughs) 
but when we cut to the actual venue for this event, a big indoor theater, the seats are empty. The gingivitis educator fixes this by shooting negaverse waves out of a disco ball in the ceiling, generating an illusionary crowd for the contestants so they're none the wiser. I love how this monster doesn't understand what normal people look like and just summoned a bunch of creepy shadow people. Yeah, it's a bunch of greys. Because the people who are uh, in the talent show aren't going to notice anything else because they are already fucked up. This reminds (laughs) me of doing plays in high school where I was told that if I was nervous, I should just imagine that the audience is a bunch of hard light holograms created by a lady made of goop for the express purpose of stealing my energy maybe i wasn't a cult as a kid was i in a cult probably in the good news department it worked so were you tired a lot as a child were they stealing your energy i really was i was exhausted i guess they were very successful harvesting your energy for the megaverse then yeah either that or i was busy staying up until 3 a.m watching sailor moon like last night Oh dear. In order to collect the participants' energy of this particular contest, the stamps on their hands begin to glow, and the curtain goes up, and Handstand Cop and his buddy are there. You love to see it. Yeah, they would have gotten my vote when calling in to Star Search. Yes, I would have texted 418 <laughs> to, uh, don't steal my energy. <laughs> What you don't love to see is our lady monster stealing energy and them doing their awful performances on the stage all at once. (laughs) Hey, Corey, do you know what a house's favorite type of plant is? A wallflower! Ugh, very bad. We get an energy collection shot from Jadeite, and there's no jazz music. It's just, like, this awful wind sound effect behind him. Like... Come on, show. Really? You can't even give me that? They just gave up. Again, where's the continuity? Usagi is looking for the continuity, so she goes into the auditorium, and we see the back of fake Mikan's head, which spins around, and there's her monster face. This effect is nowhere near as cool as Batgirl's hand thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. The hand thing really felt like it was gonna murder me, or somebody Mm -hmm. at least. This was just like, eh, yeah, okay, your head went around. Good job. They spent a lot of time setting up how much money Mikan makes, right? But I think that the Yoma of this episode was really the 100 yen store version of a good Yoma. Oh, totally. It's like a Halloween city. (laughs) One of those, like, fake skeletons that starts to sing Monster Mash really badly, and then the batteries run out the first time it plays. Yep, it's the Spirit Halloween. (laughs) Yes, that's the one. Hell to the Queen, this is Spirit Halloween. It's like when you're not sure what you want your costume to be, so you just put on one of those full body blue suits <laughs> and then put a pumpkin dress over it. Well, I know what Cassie can go as for Halloween this year. <laughs> <laughs> Usagi is shocked. She stumbles back into the lobby and runs to the bathroom, where she transforms into Sailor Moon. Yeah, I thought it was really nice that they made a bathroom specifically for Tuxedo Mask to enjoy. (laughs) Absolutely right. The symbols on the gendered bathrooms are a high heel for women and a top hat for men. These are the two genders. Get used to it. Shoes and top hats. I was personally imagining Zatanna Zatara standing outside looking really frustrated in her top hat and high heels being like, this is some bullshit. (laughs) do I use? I feel like High Heels and Top Hats is like the podcast after the podcast where we talk about everything that we just talked about in this podcast. (laughs) Yes, it absolutely is. And also, again, I want nothing to do with that podcast. It sounds awful. Yes, somebody get on it, please. (laughs) Somebody else make a podcast where they talk about our podcast and pretend to be us. It's called LARPing Sweaty. Get used to it. (laughs) You keep using the horde. 
I don't think it means what you think it means. Back to the auditorium, where the disco ball stops spinning and the energy ceases to flow. The curtains are drawn on stage, and Sailor Moon gives a heroic monologue about the dangers of glass footwear. It's just a bad idea. I had to find out the hard way. Not even once. Mice started talking to me. This dude wouldn't stop calling me about how hot I am from the hours of nine to midnight. And I was like, okay, that is validation from a cartoon character. I love it again. But also, who are you? <laughs> Fake me Khan turns back into the dental demon form we know and love and tries to spit goop at Sailor Moon. She dodges, hiding under the seats. And we get the most unrealistic part of the episode where she doesn't have a single piece of gum in either of her five foot long pigtails. <laughs> She pops back up, the lady monster finds her, spits crystal and gunk all over her, it looks like it's all over, and then a rose breaks her crystal casing like that chocolate shell stuff you pour on ice cream. So satisfying. Oh my god, right? This is when I finally understood what this monster was like supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, like a glass lady. Yeah, and see, with the disco ball, I was like, okay, she's like a mirror glass lady. And so that's how she got Mikan's face, because she became a reflection oh. of Mikan. Oh. Yeah, and the whole thing here is that this is the Cinderella project or whatever. So that's why she's yes. turning them into glass. <laughs> I'm going to blame sleep deprivation for the reason why I didn't notice that obvious connection of themes. What the fuck? Okay, it wasn't a good episode. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Tuxedo Mask is there for a mercifully brief cameo where he says, you're the star of the show now. Like, dude, her name is the title of the show. Do you see on our websites, They're Not Castanets, a Tuxedo Mask podcast? Are our podcast rivals claiming to be the Darien to our Matoki? No. And only partially because that's conflating the Deke dub with the actual dub. I was going to say, he ran off very quickly. I think he went to go make use of his special restroom. <laughs> he saw it on the way over. He's like, okay, I'm going to come back to this. <laughs> Having had that exact thing happen in the middle of a Lady Gaga concert during the encore, I totally understand what Tuxie Boy Common was going through. They had a bathroom specifically for you at a Lady Gaga concert? <laughs> they did. I'm trying to picture what image they would use to designate your bathroom. Just Allie's face. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something better than that. They slap a picture of Galaxia on there. Perfect. I'm the only one at the concert who would have understood. Okay, so there are three genders now. Top hat, high heel, and Galaxia. Uh, gender is a spectrum. Everyone get over it. Anyway, Mouthwash Mindy goes to chase after not Darian, and Sailor Moon takes the opportunity to get that spot you can never quite itch, like right between the shoulder blades with her killer crown. <laughs> the lady monster breaks up into a million glass shards, and now everyone who sets foot in that theater from now on until the end of time needs to get a tetanus shot. Thanks, Sailor Moon. <laughs> Everybody who is under the spell wakes up, including Mikan, who has been asleep in her bathtub for three days. What year is it? And we're back for the episode wrap-up at Usagi's house usagi is sleepy mood and <laughs> luna responds by yelling at her about all the car window clings and garf luna novelty slippers they could be selling right now <laughs> she makes usagi perform the same trick usagi was making her do earlier acting sorry for what she did uh cute cute was it sincere though mm. <laughs> the first time i watched the episode like somehow i did not make the connection between what luna was doing and then what usagi was doing at the end I don't know where my brain was after I, I watched it the second time and I was like, oh, I see the connection now. Okay, I'm I'm not stupid. <laughs> we say at the top of the podcast that we're bad at watching anime. I feel like this is covered. If anybody was wondering exactly how bad at anime we are. Ugh. Hopefully we can get that listener count to be back down closer to four. <laughs> I just give up already. <laughs> Speaking of giving up, what did you guys think of the episode? Did you like it? It wasn't that interesting. There's nothing really of note that 
happens. Some of the other episodes bring us like exceptionally bizarre things or just stuff that we can really enjoy or be very hateful about or something. But this episode Mm -hmm. was just middle of the road. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, there's no directorial choices that, again, aren't stolen from the movie Psycho. This episode, contrasted with the last episode, showed the best and the worst of Sailor Moon in some ways. Like, this is one of the very mediocre, middle-of-the-road Sailor Moon episodes where it doesn't really move the plot forward in any way. It's just like a monster of the day kind of thing. We had the highs of Kunihiko Ikuhara doing his thing, and then it's like, all right, now we're kind of back to the, you know, normal, this is an episode of Sailor Moon kind of thing. Yeah, and it's a bummer with this one because we don't even have any of the other Sailor Scouts to get interesting interactions Mm. with or like learn things about. So it's just the same characters that we've seen over and over and over again. If there's anything that I can say about this is that I'm glad that I watched the Deke dub because that was overall kind of a better version of of this episode. Um, And I'm not just saying that because it had I Want to Be a Star, one of the songs from the first Sailor Moon soundtrack CD that I listened to and sang obsessively as a kid. wondering where that came from i'm like oh they randomly threw a song in before the competition just as like a little thing like why did they do that because they produced that song for the show yep that is so interesting you basically have said everything that i was going to say it's not an interesting episode i say skip it in general it's a massive letdown compared to the last one but observant listeners will note that i didn't call for a demerit right off the bat i wanted to get a sense of how you both felt about the episode before making a judgment on a demerit. Trans issues are personal Mm. to me, so this was painful to watch, but it's probably harmless for Mm. most people. So uh, I just wanted to figure out if we have a quorum (laughs) on that. I I don't want to force the issue. Yeah, it's fine with me. Like I said, when I was watching it, I was like, you know, this is kind of standard Sailor Moon affair. I don't feel good about the way that they are treating Umino uh, in this episode. I felt like they didn't make it a joke in like the kind of overt ways that I'm like used to seeing. But it's still, it is not a good look. And, you know, overall, I was like, this is not what we want to be showing our kids in 2021. I felt a little bit bad for Umino because, yeah, they weren't necessarily being like, haha, he's so weird. It's so funny that he's like, we put him in drag. But at the same time, she's kind of like tricking him Mm -hmm. into drag. Right. And she's saying like, oh, if you do this, Usagi will like you. Which is sort of coercive to yeah, him. Yeah, it's very manipulative for Naru, which is unfortunate. It it maybe reveals part of her personality that mm. she doesn't like, yeah. I don't know, value Umino as a person as much as she values Usagi, which I, I, I guess I get because he's <laughs> annoying and weird. Yeah, but... she's definitely taking advantage of him in this episode where he doesn't necessarily get it. Um, yeah, and it... Yeah, and I just wanted to say that it also, you know, again, brought me back to my childhood when I had a little bit of Naru in me. Uh, and when I say a bit, I, like, I was a bitch. Like, let's be real. Uh, and I think of one of my childhood friends who was, you know, kind of like Umino and was always the brunt of things. So when I see that, it also reminds me of my baser instincts. It's real. And that it's okay to show that kind of realness. Like, I'm okay with learning that about Naru, it gives her another facet to her character. And I do want to say again that like, as far as trans stuff goes, this is not nearly the most egregious thing in anime. There are anime still being produced today that are going to have like massively transphobic (laughs) stuff that this, this is not. 
I don't know. It, it it made me sad. I would vote for a demerit. Just yeah, j- you know, give it forty seven demerits and a cheese pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, we are getting better representation now in media in general. But let us continue on. <laughs> we made it through the first two elimination rounds, and now it's time for the podcasting semifinal quarter regional league showdown. And in this talent show, the format is bad advice based on the episode. This is Sailor Moon Says. Sailor Moon Says. I'm going to go first and get this out of the way because soapbox time. Yay. Moral number one. Definitely don't go to ACLU.org and check out any of the over 100 pieces of discriminatory legislation currently being advanced in state governments all across the country, including places like Florida, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, Arizona, Connecticut, and New Hampshire. Many of these bills aim to take life-saving health care away from trans youth. So you definitely shouldn't reach out to your representative if you live in one of those states. And I guess don't use toothpaste because it'll steal your passport and move to Hawaii, which is another state currently on track to pass transphobic legislation. <sighs> For the love of God, Hawaii, of all places. What do you mean of all places? When I think of Hawaii, I think of Aloha, and we love everybody. I've never been to Hawaii, but I think you have a strange view of Hawaii. I have a very strange and skewed idea of what any place in the country is that isn't Massachusetts. (laughs) (laughs) Hawaii has, like, a pretty high rate of homelessness and drug use and stuff Uh. like that. Anywhere where there's, like, massive exploitation of indigenous people. Right. I definitely brought the podcast down, so... That's fine. Allie, do you mind, like, (laughs) bringing us out of this? I feel like it's important to say this stuff, but also I don't want people to be sad. Oh, no, no, no. Like, literally, yours is the most important thing that has been said this entire podcast episode. So here's my bad attempt at A Sailor Moon Says. Moral number two. Ready to jumpstart your career in comedy? Start a podcast! Everyone will be amazed by your jokes that appeal to a very specific type of person and wonder, oh, just who is that host with the silver tongue? (laughs) Get excited for when your podcast ranking inevitably tanks as your three listeners Google you and see the actual potato that you've become in this year of isolation and realize that they've been conned by your voice into thinking that you're actually beautiful and leave you one-star reviews due to your betrayal. Oh man, I haven't gone on Apple Podcasts today. Is that us? Are we speaking from experience? No, so we literally have like two reviews. So this is like your annual reminder (laughs) to go and rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts if you want us to make more things. Otherwise I cry. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that, Ellie. That was wonderful and potentially portentous, I guess. (laughs) How about you, Cassie? Did you have one for us? Sure, I do. Moral number three. Are your homeroom students acting weird again? Just flee. (laughs) You've already had your skirt flipped, been verbally abused, and physically assaulted while trying to teach those ungrateful weirdos. Are the students suddenly moving desks and signing autographs that absolutely nobody wants? Get the fuck out. It's not worth another trip to the hospital. (laughs) Poor Haruna-sensei. She wasn't there. She was, like, mysteriously gone. Yeah, I don't blame her. Rest in peace. (laughs) That's amazing. But again, Cassie, I think you have misunderstood the brief this time. That's good advice. Oh, damn it. Teachers, honestly, if your students are piling desks up against the wall so that they can do crappy Abbott and Costello bits, get out. (laughs) They're coming for you next. That's really good, Cassie. Thank you. I think that's my favorite Sailor Moon says that you've done. I try. I'm not good at writing things. So you're fine good we're all doing great i also realized that earlier 
apparently the episode was becoming a star is hard work. Oh. So I missed some of those words. No one's paying attention. (laughs) I wasn't sure if you wanted me to say the whole thing again. Um... No, don't worry about it. Okay. No, we'll keep this in so people know that we acknowledged it, but I am not going back and editing a chunk of the podcast into like two hours earlier. Sorry. Rate us five stars if you agree that we are bad at anime. Mm-hmm. And bad at podcasting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Speaking of which, Allie, <laughs> why don't you let everyone know how they can get in contact with us, letting us know that we're really bad at this, and also if they want to listen to future episodes of this for some reason. Can do. Follow us on social media at at NotCousinsCast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Our shows can be found on they'renotcousinscast.com or anywhere that you listen to podcasts directly. If it's not there, let me know and I will get it up. Speaking of letting us know about things, I realized that I never actually like added in a forum or anything to our website, but now that I'm a member of Shonen Flop's Discord, I'm wondering if y'all would like me to open up a Discord server so that way you can tell us things directly in a format that I don't understand because I am going to be 36 and don't understand the technology that the children use. But if this is something that you do, let me know and I'll open one up. Oh, and I forgot that you can email us at they're not cousins cast at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, continue to send us love letters. We want to like build a community here. So let's do it. We've yeah. got the numbers, apparently. Apparently there are some people who are listening. <laughs> uh, we love you. Thank you for that. We'd also like to thank Zach Meow, who wrote and produced our theme music. And you'll also notice that we have some new art assets. Uh, these were made for us by the lovely Lou Waro. You can follow him at at L-U- underscore w-a-r-o he was such a treat to work with and uh, we're really happy with how these images came out that is it for our show we'll be back next time and i really hope that you'll join us i'm josie i'm Allie, and i'm cassie and we may not know everything about sailor moon but we do know they're, they're not, not cousins Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> we were really close that time I think we're getting closer. I think we are. At least by my approximation. That sounded pretty good.